in this week's episode of the Cross Yas podcast. I continue my talk with the ever so wonderful Gabrielle Hermosa. Last week, her and I discussed a variety of topics that ended in a bit of a cliffhanger, as Gabrielle explained that her ex-wife recently just fell in love with another man. Lots of emotion was displayed from Gabby in that first part of our talks, but in part two, you will hear her go more in depth about herself and her experiences as a trans woman and a multitude of other topics. The feelings were real last week, but she'll dive even deeper into those feelings this week, and you'll hear again why they call her Gabin Gabby. All of that plus a new yas of the week, which even led to me being more inclusive here at the Cross Yas podcast. So, you ready to get things started? Welcome to the Cross Yas podcast. The podcast that says yas to everything related to cross-dressing and gender. I'm your scrumptious host, Giselle Mirasol. Catch feelings with me on Instagram at Giselle Mirasol, and find the podcast there as well at Cross Yas Podcast. I'm constantly on Facebook and Twitter, so hit the podcast up at Cross Yas. That's spelled C R O S S Y A A S. Also, if you want to email questions or you want to contact the podcast to share your story or you got any feedback for the podcast, well, we have email. Reach out to the Cross Yas Podcast via email crossyaspodcast at gmail.com. That's C-R-O-S-S-Y-A-A-S podcast at gmail.com. Hope your month of April is going well and we're nearly halfway done. It's almost Easter. Maybe you have plans for it, but don't blink. Because quickly approaching is the month of May, which means spring is in full bloom and I'm hoping your spring is going well. You make me feel so young. You make me feel so spring has sprung. Speaking of sprung, I recently received lingerie as a gift after a long time of not wearing lingerie. My girlfriend Kirsten, you remember her from our Valentine's episode in, in episode 7? Well, she's really getting me back into lingerie. I forgot how much I enjoy wearing ladies' undergarments, and, and she's got me wearing these things again, and I'm just loving it. Like, really loving it. Like. I've been really busy with work and the podcast, so honestly, the actual cross-dressing has been limited. Shoot, I don't think I've dressed in full garb since January. I'm due for a change. So for now, I'm just settling for any cross-dressing at all. She's purchased all different types of lingerie pieces, from panties to one-pieces to bras and lace tights. I do love wearing lingerie and finding different types to wear, and it's great that she's giving me all these options. I love the lace feeling, and I still wear it underneath my own work clothes at times. Makes me feel sexy and warm, but... I'm getting a bit of weight, so I don't feel as sexy, and really, they're not that very practical in use, other than the feeling of being sexy. Like crotchless lingerie. It's really sexy for women to wear, but that's really it. It just looks great when they wear it, right? It doesn't really offer that much use. Sure, it's easy access, like it increases the likelihood for sex, but when a guy wears crotchless lingerie, at least in my experience, when I wear it, uh, it just leads to my dick just dangling out there. Like a wind chime, just going with the breeze. Sure, it makes it easier to pee, but wearing them under my work scrubs would be pointless. Like, my junk's just out there, I don't know, it doesn't do anything. But you know what? I love wearing them. It's got me feeling hot, hot, hot. And hey, I guess I am hot, hot, hot. But let's get quickly back to the yes! of the week. 
So this is the 15th episode, which is crazy to me because I couldn't fathom even doing 15 episodes when I started this past January 1st. I mean, I've made 15 of these episodes and I'm still learning about what it means to be a crossdresser, what it means to educate others and myself about gender and all the hard work and dedication it takes to make a great podcast. Not saying I'm a great podcast by any stretch, but I'm realizing with great power requires great accountability. I think that's the saying. Remember, with great power comes great responsibility. Oh yeah, well, that too. Thanks for the clarification, Uncle Ben. I love your rice. I'd like to be held more accountable about what I say and how I present the podcast to new audience members. For the outsider who initially sees the title Cross Yas, the Crossdressers Podcast, and more specifically the phrase The Crossdressers Podcast, one may misinterpret what this podcast is truly about and who this podcast serves. Like that phrase alone almost sounds like a gatekeeping statement that only crossdressers can gain some value from listening to this podcast. That's not true at all. So it wasn't that welcome of a surprise when I tried to add a transgender person on Facebook named Sammy this week and told her about the podcast. She was quick to assume that I was merely a crossdresser that just loved to get off on her pics while wearing lingerie. Which I mean, what the hell? Like, wow, how dare she think I am like that? Like, I was so upset because she was absolutely right. How the hell did she know that I just wanted some nudes? Because I do. Just kidding. Sort of. I mean, hey, if she want to offer me some, I, you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna object, I guess. I'm just kidding! Honestly, I just want to extend my reach to more than just crossdressers, and I want to reach out to mutual friends that I have on Facebook who, I don't know, want to learn about crossdressing, because I want to learn from them. Because I just want everyone to know that, like Randy Newman, What I was surprised about though was how she approached our conversation. Because for those who are unfamiliar with how Facebook works, it's a social media site where you share information and pics and now your political beliefs, but to add other people as friends, well, you have to get their approval first. So well, I added her and well, let's say she got a little defensive. Well, maybe a lot defensive. In fact, the first sentence she uttered to me before she added me as a friend was, and I quote, what's up faggot, why the ad? Hold up. Now, I'm not easily offended, and you can call me names because words are just phrases to me, and I don't know, I don't care. But I was more shocked as that being the initial statement. Like, it's not every day someone uses the term faggot as an icebreaker. Like, that doesn't seem like it would work out so well. Imagine ordering food at a restaurant and the waiter says to you, Good evening, faggot, what would you like to order? Like, What the hell did you just say? So I could have taken the words, been offended, and shunned this person, and left it at that. But that's too easy. And me, wanting to learn more, I had to ask questions. Because you don't normally just call someone a faggot without some background information. I think I've mentioned this before in a previous episode of the podcast, but people are easily offended and that's lame. Because then their feelings are hurt and it's easy to retract back into your safe space because you rather not deal with the hardships of the world. We should realize that we are more than words and if people are easily triggered by, you know, something simply as faggot, then life is going to be a whole lot more difficult living outside your bubble. So while digging deeper, it turns out Sammy had gotten lots of friend requests and messages from weirdos like myself who do nothing but harass her for naughty photos and say things that she'd rather not waste her time with. I mean, if she'd given me more time, I could have gotten some, but again, I'm kidding, I don't care. But she eventually did apologize after realizing that I am not that creepy. But in midst of discussing gender and passing, I told her that I had a podcast called Cross Yas, a crossdresser's podcast, and I've had transgender guests on the show. She said, why the hell would people want to be on a show that are transgender? That has nothing to do with crossdressing. And I was like, wait, wait, wait. And so I explained it, and it makes sense, right? 
I love when people call me out on my shit, which happened with her. For the past 14 episodes, I've referred to this as a crossdressers podcast, and sort of try to focus on crossdressing as a centerpiece of the podcast. But that was then, and this is now, I realized crossdressing encompasses more than just clothes, and how I express myself. Not that I didn't know that before, but I'm realizing with making more of these episodes, I'm trying to extend the Crossyass podcast to anyone and everyone who's willing to listen and hear me out. And that starts by not turning people away. Like, you know, Sammy thought that, oh, ew, gross, you're a crossdresser? And I don't want anyone to think that at all. I want people to learn about it. I want to be inclusive of not just crossdressers, but other people across the gender spectrum. And again, not being limited to the crossdresser. If you look at the Cross Yass Facebook site, the cover has the original title Cross Yass Podcast, the Crossdressers Podcast. And again, I didn't think of anything until recently. Like, there are transgender people who listen. I want everyone and their mama to listen. I don't want people to look at this episode or this podcast as just for crossdressers. So, you know, I'll check myself at the door. I change the title to Crossdressers and Gender, even in the intro. And hopefully that brings in more guests. I mean, I could limit this episode or this podcast to just crossdressers and be like the plastics in the movie Mean Girls. You can't sit with us! And have other crossdressers be like, She doesn't even go here! But why would I do that? Why would I want others not to be included in the discussion? But I've already shown, hey, I do like to talk about gender and how we express ourselves. I do mention a lot about crossdressing, and there will still be crossdressing specific topics like purging. It seems like I'm evolving this podcast to mean more towards gender-related issues. And crossdressing is a part of that, because, well, I'm a crossdresser. All this because a transgender person called me a faggot. So really, I'm just trying to clear up any misconception about gender, and in this podcast, I'm going to do the best to my knowledge. And no, I'm not an expert because I'm still learning every day about everything, from amazing people who come on this show or for those who want to reach out to me on the Cross the Ass podcast. Last thing I want is someone to just see Crossdresser podcast and leave. Because while yes, I am a crossdresser, I don't only talk about crossdressing topics. Because I mean of the last four guests, two have been transgender guests. One has been a crossdresser and the other was my girlfriend. But hopefully with more time and more input, people will want to listen into this podcast. And that's all. So keep on tuning in. And that was the... Yes! Of the week! In this week's episode, I keep talking with Gabin Gabby Gabrielle Hermosa. Yeah, she gets a little bit off topic, you'll see, and you'll hear that she kind of bounces around to different things. But you know what? She has a lot to say, and I just want her to talk to you guys. We'd love to hear what you guys have to think, but let's just get to it. But before that, let's get to a quick word from our sponsor. Hey guys, just want to talk about Anchor real quick. You know how I love Anchor so much. They've helped me so much with this podcast. It's free, and they have creation tools that allow you to record and edit your own podcast right from your own phone or computer, and Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Really, guys, it's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. So go ahead and go to it. It's great. And I'm gonna wipe, okay. gonna wipe my nose again. So sorry if that changes the way my words sound for a <laughs> no, moment. It's okay. Little, little runny nose here. Okay. Oh, sorry. And so that she, I'm, I'm grateful for that. That she is in love with this man, and uh, it hurt because she fell in love with this guy really hard, really quick. Within a week or two, she was already more in love with this man than she ever was with me. In the 27 years that we spent together, mm-hmm. 23 of which in marriage. So that hurt a lot, and we had 
gone through so many things together, like almost three decades. And like that hurts. And I've been grieving for the better part of uh, 2018 into this year, you know, and I, I had my dog there with me and he was really helpful to me and he died a few weeks ago. So, oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah, thank you. And oh, she's home. I thought she wasn't coming home. Hi, I'm recording a podcast right now, and I'm gonna keep going and let you do your thing. And you have very beautiful flowers there. Fine. Oh, your client gave them too. Okay. So I'm sorry. She's she's. Uh, <laughs> no, that's okay. I, she's gonna go spend um, the weekend with her boyfriend soon, but she's here right now and. I'm going to fast forward, like, our our dog died, and it was really hard for both of us. And the reason I bring this Mm. up is it was also a moment that we were able to talk and grieve together, and that kind of helped us, you know, helped our marriage transition from what it was in a healthy way to friends, like, where we started off many years ago. Mm. Because we were friends uh, for about a year before we started dating. And that was a very recent thing. So silver lining, I'm grateful for that. But, you know, it's been uncomfortable and trying. And I spent lots of time, you know, I sleep on a futon in the basement now. And I would often frequently curl up there and cry Mm. and scream. And I don't give a crap if the neighbors can hear me. And I'm pretty (laughs) sure they can. I'm loud. I'm saying I'm loud, not a loud. (laughs) I'm loud. And uh, that's what happens. That's how I grieve. We've been able to make this work. You know, there's a respect as we sure. live as housemates or roommates, whatever you want to call it. And I'm grateful. Yeah. 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 And I'm grateful that we've been able to have this relationship transition to this. Like it didn't turn into an all out war, you know, cause here we are going through divorce yeah. and that's uncomfortable. And we have to talk about alimony and divorce terms and that's not comfortable, but here we are, you know, there's still love. Right. Okay. There's still love there. It's a, you know, it's a, I almost want to call it a deeper love or a different love. It's the love. It's a mutual respect, love, sort of. Yeah, it's a. Uh, so, yeah, I feel also, bad because like, I went on so many like, side tangents. And, um, no, don't worry. If, don't ever feel, I don't know. The, what I also like to tell my cross-chats listeners is don't ever feel like you don't have someone to talk to. Because I'm all, you saw how quickly I responded to you when you emailed me. I'm like, ooh, somebody emailed me. Like, I, I have so much not going on in my life right now other than this podcast and work. I'm just like, ooh, I like to talk to people. So, or, you know like, what? Yeah. Let's reframe that a little bit. Instead of, like I got nothing going on in my life. Let's reframe that as you see someone reaching out and you want to be there for them. So you're someone who's ready and willing to rise to the occasion. Indeed. Yes. I'm That's big, what I mean. Big fan of, of um <laughs> framing things in a positive because things are just things. They are what they are. And it's how you frame them, how you look at them, how you treat them that really matters. True. True. And it's not yes. it's not just a word flip or, you know, like I think happy thoughts, I'll be happy. It's it's you put a negative energy into something, it will take on a negative feeling for you. Sure. So, uh, you know, yeah. and I'll digress and go off on another squirrel tangent in a moment. <laughs> oh, no, my timer's gone. I have to take a pill. So <laughs> I have to put you on mute again and take a pill as no, my pill reminder goes up. So I'll be right back. <laughs> okay. Took my pill and I gave my, my ex little hug on her way out. She came in. I didn't realize this. She's a home health aide. She goes into people's homes and helps take care of them. Her favorite client, uh, an older little old lady, she calls her. She's dying, and she's very close with this woman, and I felt really bad. But uh-huh. to put it back, it's been very difficult living with this woman that I've been in love with for more than half my life. And right. watching our relationship change like this and her falling in love with another man, it's been very difficult and trying. However, as you were here, you would have seen that we still are there for each other in ways that we can be. 
and uh, you know her coming in upset like that and I'm doing this but the, the, the little moment that I took and she shared with me that her client is dying and she's very upset and I gave her a hug and I said I'm so sorry and let me know if there's anything I can do and she's you know heading over to her boyfriend's house and she'll spend the weekend there and I know he'll take good care of her and and I like that I, I do genuinely like that he He's a good man for her. He'll take good care of her. He's very much in love with her. He's very okay. thoughtful with her. And I, I, I'm i grateful that given that I lost her, that she is at least loved and well attended to. Yeah, yeah. Um, can I ask what you do for, I don't support now, now that I guess you're no longer with her, but you're, how do you What's, cope or how do you do? How, yeah, do you it's do? been super hard, you know, living with this person, listening to her say things like, I you babe only it's to another voice on the phone and not to you anymore it's it's really been weird again i've I've spent a little over a year now and i'm slowly getting to a better place so uh here's the deal like i'm very i've kind of withdrawn from social media a lot lately because i'm very private with certain things and i like to be positive i will share adversity in social media when i can frame it in the like i had these challenges or adversity but here's the silver lining. If I can't do that, I don't want to go on and just be a complainer. And I'm not sure. saying, like a lot of people use social media to vent. And good, do that if it's helpful. I'm just saying that to me, it's not. And I just, it's a me thing. I want to be the person who, who's uplifting uh, to people. And, and, and when I'm down and crying, I get quiet and I withdraw. So I turn inward and I withdraw and I'm total psychology nerd. I guess I'm an amateur psychologist because, you know, a psychologist is somebody who studies psychology. I do it on my own uh, just because it's fascinating to me, psychology, sociology. I read a lot of books. I do a lot of research, mm -hmm. uh, watch documentaries. It's endlessly fascinating. And it's helped me a lot because the world around me never quite made sense. So I got into it initially just to figure myself out. So there's things that I've practiced over the years that help me deal with life's adversities. And this, it, it didn't work so well, you know, because this is really big. So my mom, the one who busted me for wearing her skirt when I was 12, she's like, she's my biggest supporter now. She's my biggest fan and supporter. And she's been a rock. Um, she's been my rock. She's been there for me through the whole divorce and all the things. You forgot your phone, didn't you? Okay. Sorry, my, my ex just came back in. She had left, but she came back in because she forgot. Uh, yeah, I heard Yes. Yeah, so. Hi. <laughs> so yeah, she, she yeah she left and I, I got you on your phone so she was able to hear this. But I'll, I'll tell hi. her hi next time I see her if I remember. But um, <laughs> my mom has been super helpful, super supportive. I came out to her in 2014, and you know the the thing I like to say is share with people is the woman who scolded me for wearing a skirt. She now buys me pencils. She likes to buy me pencil skirts because I'm I like to rock short skirts. And uh, ah, she she wants me to be a little bit more modest, I guess, in my look. So I'm pretty unapologetic <laughs> about my look. But, you know, I don't wear skirts in public very often because uh, it draws a little bit too much attention. I think I have, I have pretty good legs, which I'm not bragging about. I have uh, yeah, legs because... I've seen them. Thank you. Thank great. you. Thank you. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I did not win the gene pool lottery. I My knees went bad in 2011, and I was walking, wearing knee braces all the time. So I went to physical therapy and she showed me how to do these exercises with ankle weights. And so, you know, I was already exercising a lot. And this added another hour to my exercise regimen. So that sucked. 
here's the cool part. Over time, it did strengthen my legs. I no longer need knee braces to, to, to walk around. And right. it really feminized the shape of my legs. I'm like, wow, check okay. it out. So <laughs> yeah, I'm like, okay, look at that. That's a really good silver lining. I get to walk without wearing knee braces. And I got super amazing feminine legs. But I bust my ass to get this. You know, I, I did it every day for a long time. Now I do it three days a week. It takes about an hour to do those exercises. And mm -hmm. I, you know, I exercise a lot, two to three hours a day. Um, well, That's great. I had some health things. I'm still working my way back up to where I was. Uh, so it's like one to three hours a day, but it's something I'm very, you know, I do it religiously, strictly. And I'm just making a point like I did not win the gene pool lottery. If I look attractive and, and healthy and physically healthy, it's part of my, you know, live forever or die trying methodology. I exercise a lot. If you want to exercise two to three hours a day, not you who I'm speaking with right now, but those who are listening, if you want to invest that time, you can probably do it too. You know, I, I was 180, I think 185 pounds at one point, wow. you know, and I dropped 40 pounds over, over time and it was hard and I, I did it and I'm able to keep it off. And the older I get, the harder it is to keep the weight off. And I got to exercise more and differently and start taking estrogen in 2017. And that just threw me all out of whack too. So mm -hmm. I kind of getting all over the place again. So to pull it back together, my marriage has failed. It's over. Uh, they're making plans to move in together. I'm happy for them. I'm not looking forward to when the settlement, when we figure out the settlement, like if it defaults and we can't come to terms with the settlement, the judge will, there's a default equation that they'll use. And I'm going to get a significant reduction to my income. And that's going to make life really difficult. Uh, I don't know. I'm going to, one, one thing at a time, I guess. Oh, I'm, I was talking about my mom. She's like my biggest supporter. I love her so much. She even volunteered for the Out Alliance. I, do, I, I, I partner and do work for the Out Alliance sometimes, the speaking gigs. They're an LGBTQ plus advocacy group located here in Rochester. They offer services nationwide, do a lot of trainings. I used to do a lot more uh, training work with them and for them until, uh, until my life started, you know, my life started to fall apart again in 2017 after starting estrogen. That's a, we can get into that if you want. That was a, another sure. roller coaster ride. I did not expect. I knew I was going to get more emotional. I did not know how much it would change my personality and how zap my, my strength and my stamina and alcohol. And well, alcohol is a different thing. I got into alcohol more because I was getting more and more depressed. And it was kind of like alcohol is a depressant. And I was only drinking alcohol to fall asleep at night, except for I was drinking it earlier and earlier and earlier into the evening. Uh, and it made me get unhealthy. So that wasn't just the estrogen. It was my increased alcohol. Cool news. Today's Friday. Yeah, today's Friday. So I'm like eight, I think it's seven or eight weeks sober now. So I recently, hey, get, yeah, yeah, okay. I, I was great. I just stopped. Like I, I was getting some weird things happening to me physically. My ankles would swell up and I got skinny legs and like my ankles would swell up. Mostly my left arm. I'm like, what the hell? And that was scary. And I, broken bones in both of my feet in the last two years and that was tr traumatic and scary because i'm I, i'm addicted to walking around in heels and i love when people <laughs> see me and they say oh my god you walk better in heels than any cisgender woman I'm like thank you and then like aren't they uncomfortable and i have to remind them like honey you don't wear heels for comfort okay yeah you don't they're just for cuteness and this is because i like the way i look and feel in my heels no they're not comfortable but i'm comfortable wearing them and i'm a big fan of people wearing heels if you want to and don't wear heels if you don't want to i hate when cisgender women feel pressured to do that like don't do it right. unless it's for you if you're if you're doing it for not you then you're doing it for the wrong reason same with right. makeup you know i 
very unapologetic. I wear lots of makeup. And people, I get compliments on it. And I love that. And I hear cisgender women say all the time, I really need to learn how to do my makeup better. Or I should really wear more makeup. I'm like, why do you want to? Well, you know, my friends get on my case about it or whatever. I'm like, no, don't do this for your friends. Do it for you. If you're not doing it for you, that's the wrong reason. Don't wear makeup because you like someone else's makeup. Wear makeup because you like yourself and makeup. You know, I wear my makeup. I don't wear it for you. I wear it for me. You know, I had a woman tell me, I remember I was in Bath, New York. Bath is a, a nearby town. And, and a thing you can do uh, at, in the shower because you can take a bath. But, um, so bath <laughs> is a nearby town. I was at the VA there. Yeah, I, just, I don't want to do the Marge Simpson thing, which is what happens to my voice sometimes. I'm almost tempted to, to pull out my, my deep band voice and show what a difference vocal exercises can make and talk about how testosterone, or as I prefer to call it, the T-virus, <laughs> mutated my body. If you're familiar with Resident Evil, do, do you, are you familiar with Resident Evil? I remember playing one of the first ones, yeah. Yeah, it came out in the, the PS1 originally. But um, the T-virus is uh, a mutating, you know, mutative thing. It turns people into zombies and all kinds of hideous beasts. And I've always thought of testosterone as T-virus uh, to me because it mutated my body when I went through uh, male puberty. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm all over the place. I'm sorry. I, to, to put some kind of continuity to this where were we when we started to have recording issues you're talking about heels <laughs> oh yeah heels because i love wearing heels and when i yeah. broke you know I, I remember it was traumatic so i remember the day i remember the date of all kinds of weird things but usually big events are traumatic so on december 7th 2017 uh while wearing my ankle weights and not judging correctly how much space i had between my foot and the uh, little corner there the little molding on the corner entrance to the kitchen with a 10-pound ankle weight on my foot, I smacked my foot into the molding. Oh. The molding won. My foot lost. Oof. And I broke my the, the fourth toe and the fourth and fifth metatarsal. Oof. So, yeah. Not fun. And uh, tried to go without seeing a doctor for a while. And it just got worse and worse. And I was putting all my weight on my other foot. Then I couldn't put any weight on my other foot because that started to hurt too much because it wasn't meant to take all my weight all the time. So I found myself not able to walk and that was scary and i didn't know is this going to ever heal is it even healing correctly went to see it you know i went to see a doctor eventually and you know i was so i was nervous i'm like how are they going to treat me are they going to misgender me and they they didn't it was fine it was perfect you know i didn't have a lot of doctor's experiences before that because the, the last time i'd been to the doctor was in 2012 before i started the transition so it was a new experience and it was scary. You know, and mean, meanwhile, I'm out talking to medical students frequently and now I have to go actually work with medical staff. And it was yeah. so scary. It was so different. Right. Uh, uh, talking to medical students in, in context of like helping them navigate the quote unquote uncomfortable talks with transgender clients and letting them know it doesn't need to be uncomfortable. And there's all these things you can do to make it so and make, make your clients feel comfortable. But I digress. Squirrel. <laughs> Are so, you... Um so you say you're just on estrogen and T blockers. Are you? Are, did you do any other surgeries other than the electrolysis as far as transitioning into who you are today? Yeah. So the big surgery I had done a long time ago, I, I was, uh, I think I was about four or five and I had my adenoids removed. Mm -hmm. Oh, you met in regard to my gender transition. Yes. Gender transition. Okay. Wise. Not not having my adenoids removed when I was a child. Okay, my yeah, that's bad. important too. <laughs> so and yeah, I'm sorry, I just forgot to be funny. I was trying to be silly. Um, <laughs> what I've done so far, I'm piecemealing it. Like I said, I'm pre-op. I think you discussed pre-op, post-op with your 
previous guest. She was amazing, mm -hmm. by the way. Forget her name offhand. Uh, uh, Nita um, Noel Green. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. And I looked up her picture too. Very, very attractive. Got jealous. That happens <laughs> a lot. I, you know, I, I'm a trans. Let's just put it out there. I'm a transgender lesbian, and that's often confusing to people when I when they either discover that, figure that out, or it's a talking point. One of my talks that I do, and uh, there's the difference between gender identity and sexual orientation. Mm -hmm. I just want to put that out there quick because your sexual orientation—that's who you want to sleep with. Your gender identity—that's who you want to sleep as. Mm -hmm. And usually, when I put it out there, like, and I know you've you've touched upon this before, so I'm not trying to educate you. I'm just like you know, people listening if they haven't heard all that yet. I find that explaining it like that has been a pretty good, like that's when the aha, I hear a lot of people going, oh, okay, I get it. Because you can be transgender and lesbian or transgender. I know how many like gay trans men do I know? I know a lot of gay trans yeah. men. So yeah. it's a thing that, you know, but I'm only one, I think I'm one of like three or four uh, uh, trans women who identifies as a lesbian. Anywho, because uh, most of my trans friends who are women, they're straight, you know, they're dating men. Yeah. I got her name again already because I suck I need to know <laughs> yes, I, I thought she was so attractive. I'm like, she's so pretty. I'm like, damn it. Oh, I'm jealous. But she's pretty. But I get jealous and I joke about that. But I never get jealous in the like hate people way. It's like, no, it's like I'm admiring your beauty. And I wish I was pretty or felt pretty like or whatever. Because I've seen your photos. I'm like, damn, okay. They always say goals. Like, you are goals. Anita Noel Green is goals. I would love to look that passable or that great. But there's been so much that you guys have gone through with hormones and i know she's post-op and she's done that so there's a lot of things that comes with so it's it's more of a yeah. pipe i think we also find other people who are not us more attractive in general too like again like take lgbtq anything out of this and i think it's not uncommon for people to compare themselves to others and think oh they got it better or they're better looking or whatever right and then you discover that they were thinking the same about you. So, and every time I think I'm ugly and hideous because I don't pass, I'll, I'll hear from a trans woman, a friend of mine, whatever, maybe I'm having a conversation with five and saying I feel ugly and saw this beautiful woman and I look like a dude in makeup to most people. And she's telling me how jealous she is over how attractive I am. And then, I'm, then I feel like a big jerk. So, <laughs> like, well, I didn't, let's talk about uh, that. Anyways. How important is passing to you then? How important is it to be? Passing is very, 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 very important. Very important okay. to me. Okay. It's important to me not so much that, okay, because here's the deal. Like I'm out grocery shopping and how many people do you know when they're out grocery shopping cause rubbernecking, right? Mm. Um, if you're not familiar with the term, meaning anyone who's listening to this, if you're not familiar with what rubbernecking is, it's kind of like when, when someone looks at something and then looks away, then they look back again, then they look away, then they look back again, you know, kind of like that rubber neck that keeps snapping back and forth. So that's what rubbernecking is. I cause rubbernecking pretty much anywhere I go. It happens very frequently. <laughs> and for any, like, you see my picture, you've told me you think I'm attractive. Then thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm very grateful. Sometimes I joke and it's like, sure, people are rubbernecking because I'm so hot. I look so amazing and they know it. But the reality is, the rubber, I mean, I think I look pretty good given what I have to work with, but I know that I don't pass. I'm very vain. I'm only going to publish my pictures that are going to look closer to, you know, cisgender looking, closer to passing privilege. Yeah, yeah. Why would I post any of my selfies that I didn't look as good? I, well, I'm not going to because I'm too vain. And, and along with that vanity comes insecurity. Mm -hmm. So I look exactly like I do in all those pictures, in those angles, with those lighting conditions, right? right. Same with the videos. You know, if I, if I get the lighting and everything just right, that's what I look like. You know, the walk and talk videos, me walking around my backyard, those are tough for me. And there was a couple of them that I removed right after making them because I looked too 
dude like like my face was so harsh looking and so passing is important i do not pass i think i look pretty good i don't pass uh sometimes people try to convince me no gabby you do pass blah 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 it's like well thank you but i really don't and i understand people want to be friendly and say things that make you feel good and sometimes people will lie to do that not with the intent of being disingenuous it's just people are it's kind of lying out of kindness they just want you to feel good and that's their way of saying i think you look good for for who you are you know i think you're attractive or whatever but i know i don't pass because i get rubbernecking all the time i know i don't pass because i'd be walking by this, this a couple years ago walking by the checkouts at the grocery store and these two little girls looking up at me and one of them says at the top of her lungs as she points at me that's a man hmm. as if she had just found waldo lighting up with excitement <laughs> as if she had just found waldo you know, and then I'm like, oh, crap, look around, look around. Okay, everything's okay. I'm just going to keep walking here. You know, I wasn't mad at her. I know she's just a kid. And uh, yeah. that was, like I said, she was like a little kid who just found, you know, well, <laughs> they can act in ways that are kind of <laughs> off-putting at times, but no, no harm was intended. And remember one guy, I was, I think I was by the fresh meats or whatever at the grocery store and I'm passing by a younger couple and, and the, the guy, the man had this really weird, freaked out. Bart Simpson eyes, look on his face, big bug eyes. And then he turns to his wife or girlfriend or whatever as I walked by and said, that's a man. And, and said it like he was freaked out and had just seen like a ghost or something. I am very pale skin, but I don't think I look like a ghost. So that was another time. And he wasn't saying that so that I could hear it or to intimidate me. He genuinely looked like he was freaked out by my appearance and in what his mind perceived to be a man dressed like a woman wearing makeup, lots of makeup, lots of amazing, beautiful eye makeup, but still looking like a man to him. And I get it. That's what he said. He probably did not realize that I was able to hear that for a brief moment. I was like, should I talk to him or say, I can hear you say mm. something silly and cheeky because I am, I am the weirdo who will walk up to strangers and I've done this frequently. When I catch people staring at me in the store or anywhere out and about, I'll walk up and introduce myself. Not to make a big fuss that they were staring, but I'll just, hey, they're staring. If they don't look like they're going to be threatening or be intimidated by the fact that I spoke to them, I'm going to go introduce myself, see if I can make a friend. Why not? What have I got to lose? Right. But I know I have a potential friend to gain and I like meeting people and I'm weird like that. So I'm going to do it. So passing is really important and it's important for me, for me. I need to pass for me. It's yes, it would make things easier out and about in public and I'll get less people staring at me and all that. Mm-hmm. At the same time, I, even though that happens, I don't care. People used to laugh at me all the time in public, all the time. And anywhere I go in public, I get laughed at. It wasn't like, is it going to happen today? It's when, when is it going to happen and how many times? Over time, as I got more comfortable going out in public and got more of I don't give a crap attitude, and I genuinely stopped caring. I don't like when people say rude things, which they very infrequently do. And I don't like when I see someone pointing at me next to their friend, you know, bumping their friend on the elbow, pointing at me from far away or sometimes up close and personal. Mm -hmm. I don't like that, but I also don't care. And I think when people know that you genuinely do not care what they think of you, that they're not going to laugh or invest any energy in trying to say something that's upsetting to you, you know, to, to socially elevate, quote unquote, elevate their own status at the expense of yours. Like, I'm better than you and I'm going to point right. you out as a freak. Right. It's not how it works, but that's what people think. They think if they can put someone down, that makes them better than the other person. Like, no, that makes you an asshole. Yeah. You're, you're a better asshole than me now. Congratulations. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I, and I, I'm not trying to get judgy. People genuinely, usually, like if it's a stranger, they're not trying to do that to be a jerk. They're not aware 
of you as a person, as a human being, sometimes by you, I mean me. And so that, you know, it's a thing. Like if you saw someone who's like eight feet tall, you might stare at that person, right? Sometimes I'm sure we've all stared at somebody and maybe they walk different or or have some kind of oddity. And I say oddity only in the sense of something that's different about them that's very, like you don't see much of or maybe never seen before. That's going to draw people's attention. Mm -hmm. Given that I don't look like a, a cisgender woman, and again, you know, if you see me out of the corner of your eye, I probably do. If you see me from the back, I might just look like a really tall woman. But if you're within 20 meters and you see my face, I think I'm, I got really great makeup skills. I'm proud of that. And I know that I still look like a man wearing makeup to most people. And that, that bothers me because I don't want to look like a man, period. That's, that's very triggering of my gender dysphoria. The thing I'm trying to get at in a long-winded way is I have to live in this body. I look at myself in the mirror. I spent an hour and a half in the mirror this morning, after my exercise, putting on my makeup. I know what I look like, and it's, it's uncomfortable. Uh, sometimes I can see my reflection from far away, or sometimes even up close, or when I'm taking a selfie, if I get the light to hit me just right, and I see me looking back at me, what that means is I see a woman like my authentic self. I see me looking back at me, and I love that. That makes me feel really good. Most of the time, I'll be walking somewhere, catch my reflection in a window, and I'm immediately disgusted. It's, it's gross. It's hideous. Like, no. No. I, and, you know, and, and that's me, of course. That's me, and I, that's what I look like. I can't. Unfortunately, I'm not skilled at the art of self-delusion enough to make me think I, I pass to myself, regardless of whatever I look like to other people. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that's hurtful. It's, it's painful. And the fact that I... I, I've been able to have my facial hair removed. That's mostly, I'm still maybe about 5% left of it, you know, above the lip, just below the lip, not much there. If I never shave a, a day in my life, I will never have a five o'clock shadow again. That is so incredibly helpful to me because before that happened, one of the biggest things I struggled with is I had a shelf life of about four hours when I'd go out. About four hours I'd have before my stubble would poke through the layers of makeup, the thick foundation that I used to wear. Mm. And I heard you talking about how to cover the, the man, I call it the man shadow, the five o'clock shadow, the beard. Mm-hmm. I used to do like this thing where I would take, I think it was actually lipstick. It was a lipstick color that didn't agree with me too well, but it was, it was red enough that I'd basically do like a hobo type of hobo beard. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like a hobo clown is like a mm-hmm. hobo clown. So I do that on, on the, the area where my facial hair would grow in. And then on top of that, I'd put layer after layer after layer of foundation until it had disappeared enough because that would give it like a slightly red, reddish undercoat, which would offset like the kind of a bluish hue that my uh, stubble would have. And then you wouldn't see it, but it was about four hours. And there were times where I'd be out past the four hour mark or whatever. I don't know if it's exactly four hours, but I'd start to see a hint of that five o'clock shadow coming back and I would just get, it's the most disturbing thing. And I couldn't get home quick enough to, to, to get out of the sight of anybody and wash my face and get rid of the disgust that I was feeling. And it puts me in a really, really dark space. So I'm very grateful that I've been able to, you know, have most of my face hair removed, still working on that, but I, I need, I, I need to pass for me. It's a me thing. I know so many trans people that love looking transgender and by that i mean they don't look entirely female you know for the trans women or don't look entirely male for the men and of course non-binary people gender queer agender bi-gender two-spirit 
and all the other, uh, you know, forums, uh, you know, androgynes, all the forums of non-binary people that I've mentioned, and there's a zillion terms and I, I don't even know them all. They, like, how do they pass? Like, what's passing for them, right? Because mm-hmm. society and culture is looking for that. Is it a boy or is it a girl? What's it look like? I can't really tell. What pronouns do I use? Well, here's an idea. Why not ask? Why not ask? Exactly. Yeah, because that's like when someone asks me, it's like, hey, thank you. I appreciate that. I feel like you're showing me respect by asking instead of getting it wrong. Mm -hmm. And I do get misgendered from time to time and it hurts. But whatever. Most people misgender me. They're not even consciously aware of it. And I, you know, I, yeah. I may or may not correct him depending on like, am I just going through someone's checkout line and they called me sir or something? Or is this uh, somebody I'm going to be seeing a lot of and remind them, hey, excuse me, you misgendered me. Now, one, you got to put a dollar in the gender jar. And two, <laughs> please be more mindful of that. I use she, her and hers pronouns. So for me, passing is very important. I know a lot of trans people who look down on, on people like me because I want to pass and it's very important to me. And I want to make it very clear. I do this for me. What I do is for me, if people like it, okay? If other people, if the world around me is sees the things that I have done as favorable. Let's say that I'm miraculously able to come up with the, you know, $70,000 worth of other surgeries that I need to fix the rest of my body. And all of a sudden I pass. I, I get to join the um, passing privilege elite. Great. That's a thing that I've done for me. It's not to hide or fool the world. It's, it's for me. And I, I would feel so much better about myself and the gender dysphoria probably would get turned down significantly because it's often around, think of it as a volume scale. It's up around nine, 10, sometimes 11, meaning yes, it pushes me over the threshold and I end up in a very dark space and think of doing terrible things to myself to end the pain because I, I, I lack the financial means to get the face feminization surgery and the tracheal shave. I joke sometimes like, well, I got a big old Adam's apple when I went through puberty a million years ago, but mine's an Eve's apple. You know, I, I joke and I'll have, make fun with it, but it, it's painful to me. It's, it's very jarring to see that in me. Or, or when someone saw me do a talk and they want to take a selfie with me afterwards. And I want to say no, because I hate the way I look in pictures, but I can't say that. And, and I let them because they found value in what I did and they're, at that point, looking up to me as this person who's just given them this beautiful feeling. And I'm not going to take that away and say no, but it will snap a picture. Right. I mean, it looks so hideous and it's, it's painful. Okay. And yeah. it's not the, I'm not, I don't know if you personally get this, but I hope people listening, because I'm envisioning your audience being cross-dressers, transgender people, and a lot of people just curious. Mm-hmm. So it's not me just saying, oh, boo-hoo, I don't look pretty. It's me saying it's painful to a place where very dark thoughts go through me because my body went through puberty way back in the 80s, the wrong puberty and testosterone, T viruses, I like to call it, it's a very aggressive hormone that changes your body in ways that are not easily, well, arguably are not undoable. There's certain things we can do to minimize the, the damage it's done. But if I got put on the correct hormones when I was much younger, I would have developed like any other cisgender woman. I would have developed breasts. Mm. I would never have grown facial hair. I, I would not have experienced male pattern balding. You know, none of these things would have happened to me. I wouldn't have a disproportionately large upper torso. I, you know, I, I, I can do all kinds of things. I have a really small waist. I can do that. I can wear clothes that kind of hide the fact that I have a disproportionately large upper torso. I wear things that are slightly baggy, tops that are slightly baggy, but I bunch them together at the waist. 
I like to wear off the shoulder stuff. Well, people think, well, doesn't that just show off your large, broad shoulders? I guess kind of, but you know what else it does, at least for my eyes, it almost draws attention to the top more than my shoulders. So, which in my mind gives me the illusion of not having as broad of shoulders. So I almost always wear, call them cold shoulder tops or just wear a tank top with off the shoulder top or something like that. I always wear black and black is a trimming color, but I also, it's also my favorite color. So I do that. So there's a lot of things that I can do to minimize my disproportionate upper torso. And I'm, I'm pretty good at makeup and doing contouring, but... And it works great in, in 2D photos and in 2D video, as long as the lighting sources are pretty good and I keep the camera mostly straight on. It's a different ball game in 3D and in person and it's painful. So I guess this is my long-winded rambly way of saying my appearance and my body, because I, you know, I got to take a shower and wash all the parts and there are parts that have always grossed me out from the time I was young. Yeah. You know, I remember my graduating from the little child potty kids often train on. Mm-hmm. So... My dad's teaching me, I'm, I'm learning to pee, standing up in the adult toilet. And I remember my father telling me, because I was like, how do you make sure it goes in the toilet bowl? And he says, well, you got you to aim it. And my first thought was, that is disgusting. I have to touch it. Are you serious? And I did not say that. So I just did what he said and grossed out. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I got parts of my body that are gross. And again, it's not like, oh, I feel ugly or I got this molar or something. There are parts of my body. That's a pretty intimate part of the body and it's disgusting to me and it always has been. You know, even like dating girls in high school, given the fact that I inside always identified as a woman and was effeminate and embarrassed about that. The one thing I had going for me back then is at least I was attracted to women so I could give the illusion of a straight man, you know, mm-hmm. a very effeminate, unfortunately, straight man. I wasn't trying to be effeminate. Anyways, I remember like the first time I tried to use a condom and I, you know, stopped. Hope this isn't t- TMI or anything. Oh, no, please. I love more <laughs> more information, please. Love well, thank you. Well, I th- plus, like to me, this stuff is just really matter of fact. I mean, I yeah. was saying that to you, communicating to you before yeah. this. I love that you, you brought up sex and, and, and arousal because that's that's a part of it. And there's, it's part of it. There's it's ways, yeah. It is. It's it's a thing that many transgender people, whether you're cross-dressers, trans women, um, whatever, wherever you fall on that that nebulous gender spectrum, sexual arousal is a fact of life for like most of the population, unless you're asexual. And that's a thing. And there's usually still a romantic interest. Not always, but usually still a romantic interest there. But I, I digress. So I'm trying to put on a condom for the first time in high school with a girlfriend. And I had to touch, you know, I had to touch my penis to do it. And as soon as I touched it, my erection went away because I was immediately disgusted. I don't like to touch it. And and then I had to explain to her, oh, no, no, I'm just nervous. Yeah, I'm just nervous. Sorry, it's not you. It's me. I couldn't tell her what was going on. I couldn't say like, yeah, sorry, I had to touch it. And that's like the grossest thing in the world for me. I was creative. Like back in my going through puberty and when you start to masturbate and pleasure yourself, I had to come up with ways to pleasure myself without touching it because it didn't want to. The, the penis does what the penis does, because I know that's confusing to some people. It's like, wait a minute, if you identify as a woman, then how can you get a boner when you're turned on? Because that's a man thing. I'm like, you know what? I, I have no control over the body parts that I was born with or how they work. Mm-hmm. When I'm aroused, the body parts that I have do the things they do when I'm aroused. Right. Okay, that's, that's how that works. Arousal does the things to your body that it's going to do. So that point being is... There are parts of me that are disgusting and gross and I don't like. 
and again, it's not just like, oh no, ugly mole. It's, it's different. You know, it's a very intimate part of the body. And for me, it's very jarring to see it there. You know, I'm stepping out. I try not to look at it in the mirror, but sometimes I catch myself in the full body mirror or whatever, not thinking I'm like, oh crap. Immediately, I'm like, oh. it's like almost like I'm reminded of it every time. Like, oh crap, forgot about that. It's always mm-hmm. there and everything, but, and it's uncomfortable. You know, I, I have to do something that we call tucking. I tuck it away so that it doesn't show this big bulbous, you know, I guess I got lucky in the sense that I'm not very big. Thank goodness for that. I used to be embarrassed about that because what a girl's going to think of me now. I'm like, thank goodness. It's not that yeah. big. You know, and I tuck and I tuck it away. And I don't know if you ever tried that yourself, but anyone who's ever tucked, there's different ways you can do it and usually go with whatever way does achieves the desired effect with the minimal amount of pain. Well, it can be painful sometimes, uh, depending on how I'm sitting. I wear, when I go out, I wear like body, what's it called? I think they're called Spanx or something like shaping. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah, They hold me in. Body shapers or gaffs or whatnot. Yeah. Yeah. I never try to gaff. It seemed really uncomfortable. Um, A gaff gaff (laughs) being something that, okay. Have you, have you explained that before? I think I have, but you can, to your best of knowledge. I was going to say, I've I've never actually been putting on. I'm just like, for, for those listeners who this is their first episode. So I, I'm sorry. I'm (laughs) rambling. I'm going to like focus. I love rambling. Here we go. I have two more hours with you at at the minimum because I love listening to you and talking about you. Oh, and you know, and I know you get emotional about talking about your past with gender dysphoria and how you felt. I think you just talked about it, how you wish you were on hormones earlier. And I'm a yeah, well, it might have made posit- a difference. Yeah, and I'm a big believer in positivity. And if you want to put a positive frame on that, had you had gone on hormones, had you gone on that, yes, you will probably would have been feminine. You would have been the female that you wish to be. But I look at it as you're here now, and you're talking on the podcast to other people who probably have the same experience who weren't able to be on hormones earlier. And now you're getting to share your story. And it's kind of awesome, right? Because now they can relate and they can understand that there's probably there's someone out there who's experiencing the same things I'm experiencing. And I mean, it's it's such a relief for them, probably. And it's a relief for me because I'm like, oh, wow, someone else has those experiences. And it's kind of sweet that you're sharing it. Well, thank you. And I love the way you just frame that. And I do that. I mean, I get caught up in my own junk. I'm human. (laughs) I try to do the same thing. And my way of looking at it now is what's done is done. I can't go back in time. And I don't have a DeLorean. I don't have a flux capacitor. There's no Doc Doc Brown in real life. Can't go back For those who are way too young, that's a back to the future reference. I don't know if they know who that is. Great Scott. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So, yeah. To quote Doc Brown, yeah, if you haven't seen Back to the Future, it's a really fun 80s movie that doesn't scream of 80s, but it kind of does, but it not, <laughs> not in an obnoxious way. And it's really fun. Just go watch it and enjoy yeah. the ride. So, and it's got a really cool car with a time machine. So life gave me lots of lemons, right? And I became a very bitter, angry person. And as I was getting older and more bitter, like F-bombing, every, like F-bombing everything. I would swear I was, I was angry. I hated people. I hated the world. Yeah. I, I hated what, what I was becoming. And when I started the transition and lived my life authentically, you know, baby steps at first and everything, what I noticed is I don't hate people. I actually love people. What I hated was myself. And I, I resented the need that, that I felt to always give people that man facade. Yes, male-bodied, I very much looked physically like a man, but I had to learn the masculine behaviors and practice them and always be conscious that I was acting manly and not tilting my head to the side when I listened to someone, not cross my legs the wrong way when I sat down, you know, mm-hmm. 
men have to put their their leg it's hard to describe in words you know put it over like women yeah, yeah. are okay with just crossing one leg over the other the men will put it more like a square pattern above their I don't know, it's hard to explain you know how men cross their legs <laughs> you meaning the universal you so i got all these lemons and it made me a very bitter angry dark person and i was not in a good place and then things happen in life and i got to a point it's like i got all these lemons what am i going to do because i hate the way things feel so I took the lemons, added a little sugar in the form of love. And I took those lemons and I had so many lemons to make very sweet lemonade. So that was my long-winded rant and getting from lemons to lemonade is what I'm <laughs> trying to say. And I'm a big fan of that. I cannot fix or change what has happened. I get to choose from this point, from this time coordinate forward, how I'm going to deal with the world around me and, and life. And I'm going to choose to make something positive with it. Because if I have a choice to do something positive or negative, why on earth would I choose the negative? Now, right. sure, I was there for a long time doing just that. And then I realized that's not going so good. Doesn't that not working out so well for me. And it took a you know very traumatic experience in 2012 to kind of start my awakening process. That's a whole other story. It took me to Santa Fe. And that's another story for another day. Long story <laughs> short, life broke me and I was broken. And then, uh, did, you ever, did you ever see The Matrix? Uh, yes. 1999, Keanu Reeves. Great movie. <laughs> yeah. So that movie, in my opinion, in the opinion of many others, it's a, it's a metaphor for life. And I didn't get it at first. I just saw it as a kind of a fun sci-fi movie. Here's the deal. Like in 2012, when life broke me and I had my initial awakening experience, it was a lot like Neo waking up in that pod of goo with all those tubes hooked up to him. It was a very scary experience. And I was grateful to have someone in my life at that point in time, my spiritual guide, so to speak, and, and mentor for a time. She held my hand through that whole process. And it was really then... After, you know, I woke up and really realized what the world around me really is, as opposed to the, the matrix, the, the illusion that in real life, the matrix is not a computer simulation, except mm -hmm. for the things Elon Musk thinks it may be. And who knows? <laughs> what I'm saying is, in the movie, The Matrix, what looked real was really a computer simulation that everyone was hooked up to, to provide their energy as batteries for the computers. So what the real life matrix is an illusion. It's a social construct things, a, a systematic, all these lies and social scaffolding that were taught from a young age. Again, a repeated lie takes on the illusion of truth. Because we're all conditioned to believe certain things, we think that this is how the world is, and that this is how people should be, are, and ought to be, and the world around us ought to be. Well, that's all an illusion. And for those of us who figure that out, and kind of abruptly, or like when everything just kind of comes together like that, and you realize, oh my god, there, there is no Wizard of Oz in front of me. I just look behind this curtain and there's a funny man behind here and this changes everything in my life. Now I just went from the Matrix to Wizard of Oz, my, my bad. So that was really the beginning of when I was able to start realizing who and what I am and where my life started changing. So Lemons to Lemonade, big fan of that. I love that I meet younger people all the time. I met people who transitioned in the single digits. I get jealous. Mm -hmm. They'll never do, you know, they'll never have to go through all this. But why should they? That's no one should ever have to go through that. And a lot of I see a lot of times cross dressers, okay, people who like I was for a while self identifying as a cross dresser. But what I hear in them is, you know, I start to wonder, like, okay, the way you're talking 
you know, this is this is my self narrative. It's not necessarily what I would say to somebody. Mm-hmm. Is you don't sound like crossdresser. You're saying things that I went through because for a long time, it was safe. It was easy to think of myself as a crossdresser. Safe and easy because I can still be a quote unquote man and blend in invisibly and not deal with all the things that society may do. You know, rejection and discrimination and all those things and all the dangers. All the transgender women who are murdered every year. Their crime being because yeah, they're transgender. Yeah, yeah, it's over 300 worldwide. It's over 300. Yeah. It's probably more than that because, like I said in another episode, they're not reported. Like these people aren't yes, identified correct. as trans. So, because either their family or the police or authorities don't want to label them as such. And even countries don't believe they have trans people in their countries. Like, what? <laughs> Yeah, trans people aren't real. I've I've heard about those weirdos like yeah, that. Yeah, they're not real. Hopefully yeah. they're getting their help, but we don't have any trans people. There's yeah, nothing no, to see here. None of those people. They These don't are not them. the droids you're looking for. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, and the light, very, I'm very glad you brought that up. There are a certain amount that we know of, and there's so many more that we yeah. don't. And it's very dangerous. But it was sad. so easy and safe. To, yeah, exactly. very sad. And I do, you know, I, I've gone to the, I don't know if you're aware of the Transgender Day of Remembrance every November, every November 20th where transgender people uh, get together and we will mm-hmm. read, I'm going to get choked up, apologies. We read the names of transgender women who are murdered. And it's always women. I, I, always I knew, yeah. Yeah, I knew of a women. transgender man who was murdered, but it was a crime of passion and not a hate crime. Not it was a, a hate crime. crime. Of, exactly. It was a jealousy. Yeah. That's the difference. Um, mm-hmm. His girlfriend uh, was in a jealous rage and she murdered him, but she mm-hmm. didn't kill him for being trans. She murdered him because she was jealous. Right. So, it's always transgender women, and 99.9% of them are women of color, meaning you know African American yeah. women of you know darker skinned women. So you know in the LGBTQ totem pole of of social status, transgender people, primarily transgender women, were kind of at the low end of the totem pole, mm-hmm. but the transgender women of color, they're the ones who get it the worst. Yeah, and. Yeah. Like for all the things I got going against me, I still have, you know, I have able-bodied privilege. I have white privilege. I have mm-hmm. a certain amount of socioeconomic privilege, education privilege, all these privileges that, you know, trans women of color don't have. They lack that. Yeah. And I, there came a time where I just like, I don't care what people think about me when I go out. I'm just going to go do my thing. And people generally just leave me alone. There's times where I see a bunch of machos hanging out. I'm going to avoid them because one of them might decide to show how macho and awesome of a man he is by teaching my ass a quote unquote lesson. Right. So I avoid things that are obvious, like potential danger there. But trans women of color, it's a different, whole different thing going on. And it's very common for within that. And I'm, I'm kind of going this based loosely and I'm probably butchering it terribly. I'm, do you know who Laverne Cox is? Yes, from Orange is the New Black, correct? She's that's her yep, biggest yep, show. Yep. That was her. That was what really propelled her into uh, fame as a, a movie star or TV star, Netflix star, mm-hmm. as an artist, as a well-known artist. And I got to see her talk, and I think it was 2014. I got to go see her. I even got my picture taken with her. It was awesome. Oh, She's really tall. She's super tall. Walk She's in there with my tall. heels, and I'm always the tallest woman in the room. And walked in and, and went to meet her. I'm like, hi, you know. I have to look up at her. I'm like, wow, finally a woman <laughs> who's taller than me. And yeah, she's actually not like Photoshop. She is actually gorgeous in person. Yeah. 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 Oh my God. So anyways, I got to hear her talk and she was talking about cultural things within black uh, culture community, how there's, I'm going to butcher. I don't want to, I don't want to risk butchering it. I'm just going to kind of generically say, yeah, that it's, well, it's, it's different. It can be different that, 
I guess black men tend to look at black trans women as breaking rules more significantly. I feel terrible. I'm butchering what she said. Again, it's cultural and I lack the words because I don't remember the words she used to say this, but there's a lot more hostility within communities of color toward transgender women and uh, by straight men. In fact, from what I know, maybe most of the trans women who are murdered, trans women of color who are murdered uh, for being transgender, it's, as far as I know, it's always by, you know, a black man. Again, because of that cultural, you know, it's a different cultural thing. I'm not saying it's a black man because black people are bad and they're murderous. That is not right. what I'm saying. I'm, I, I know you're not thinking that, but I, yeah, no, I get I that like little voice in my head. Someone's going to misunderstand what I'm trying to say here. Yeah, it's, or they'll it, take a it, clip from what you're saying and then like, oh, she said this. And you're like, oh, that's, <laughs> that's terrible. Yep, yep, you get a soundbite and you yeah. that's take all, it out of That's all they take from this? And, like what? And that, yep, then, then you get doxxed and, uh, yeah. <laughs> and I get to be in the uh, Transgender Day of Remembrance the next year. <laughs> so hopefully none of that will take place. But what yeah. I'm trying to get at is it's, it's a cultural thing that I don't have yeah. any experience in, but I, I believe to be true. Just like I know another cultural thing is there's a thing called driving excuse me, getting pulled over uh, because driving while black. It's a thing that many people of, yeah, people of color get this. It's a real thing. I know people it's happened to. And that's where, like, it's not my experience. I don't have that. I'm, I'm grateful to have that. And it freaking pisses me off. It's told BS that that happens. But again, cultural. It's, well, that, I guess that's culture, but that's more just like, I'm going to say cops being jerks. I don't know. Cops being racist. Racist. Yeah, racist cops. And it's a, it's also a system-wide sort of thing with... It's, yeah, there's a systemic... Well, I think there's a systemic toxic culture that's reinforced among each other and oh, yes. unfortunate. And mm-hmm. I'm hoping before my days are through, we see these things. Uh, it's, I believe that before my days are through, that we'll see a lot of this stuff get fixed and not fixed, cleaned up, remedied, you know, the, the old will die off. The new, you know, the dinosaurs will become extinct and the new people will, new people, those who are, who are respectful and see divine human beings as divine human beings, regardless of their skin color or gender differences or whatever differences they perceive. When you look at differences as an invitation, as an opportunity to learn more about one another and doing so, learn more about ourselves in the process. Because, you know, people fear what they don't understand right. and then they attack what they fear. So mm-hmm. when you replace that fear with understanding, you know, whether you like it or don't like it, once you understand the thing, you're probably not going to fear it. No. And the thing is, like, kids are afraid of the dark because they don't know what's in the dark and they think there's a monster under their bed. Or, or for me, I thought there was an alligator under my bed. I don't know why it was an alligator, but that's what I was afraid of. <laughs> so... Kids will say that. I'm scared. Why? Because it's dark and there's a monster. I don't know. Adults won't do that. When adults experience that kind of fear, they're not going to say, well, I'm, I'm afraid because I don't understand. This looks like a dude wearing makeup and I don't know what's making this. So I'm scared. No, an adult is going to say, I don't know about that. I've heard these people are mentally insane or mentally ill or perverts <laughs> or whatever. Yes. And, uh, and then they'll look yeah. for people to agree with them. And it's not hard. These days, there's a lot of political pushback against transgender people. Ooh. Unfortunately, we became a political, yeah, we became a political yeah. sleight of hand trick for certain elements of politicians, uh, oh, the yeah. bathroom thing, but I'm getting oh, really yeah. off topic. Oh man, we could talk all day about that. Oh yeah, I've, I've written in depth about that. Like what is going on with the whole bathroom, uh, you know, anti-transgender bathroom legislation. And there's actually, there's a logic to it. It's an old political trick where you create the illusion 
of harm. And then you make laws, you put the law, and then you get everyone scared about this illusion. You, again, repeated lie takes on the illusion of truth. Now everyone's afraid of this thing that's not, never, I'm making it generic here, this thing that's not even real, it's a phantom, but everyone fears the phantom. Mm -hmm. Then you enact laws that deal with the phantom. And then you can go and say, since we've enacted these laws, that phantom has not caused any harm. Yeah. What they don't tell you is that, oh, by the way, this whole thing we just made up in Phantom, no one was harmed by it before, but we won't talk about that. Definitely. We're just going to, you know, because fear, fear is a really powerful way to influence and manipulate people. And it works, yeah. unfortunately. Well, okay, I'm all over the place. So sorry about that. Um, no, I love it. I passing love it. is important. Yeah, to bring it back. Passing <laughs> is important to me. I respect when people don't want to pass. I want people to do what's right for them. I I'm doing what's right for me, for me. I don't do it for anyone else, but for me. Okay. Suppose doing it for someone else, that's the wrong reason. You will ne right. If you keep chasing after approval, you will never be happy because there's nope. always going to be someone that disapproves. Exactly. You got to do it for you. And when I, when I, get, I have taken pushback too, there's transgender people who've lashed out at me because I put such an em emphasis on, on passing. Again, for me. I never say you need to pass or else you're not trans or not trans enough or whatever. Yeah. And I have had people tell me, well, you're not, you're still a cross-dresser because if you were a real trans woman, you would have begged, borrowed, and stole just to transition and, 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 and prostituted yourself like I did. So I'm a real trans woman. You're not. I'm like, okay, whatever. You know, you don't define who I am and I'm right. good. Go be you and take your judgment elsewhere. Thank you. Right. That, that's universal too. And I want, I want your listeners to hear this. How people judge you is not a reflection of who you are, a reflection of who they are. Not mm -hmm. meaning that if they judge you as X, whatever X may be, that, that, that they are secretly X. doesn't mean that. It's just a reflection of who they are. They don't get to define who you are. That is up to you. So let's make it about me. I'll use I statements. I define who I am. I am not defined by how others perceive me. If the whole world gets together and collectively decides, you know what, Gabrielle, we think you're a watermelon. I'm not going to magically turn green with a red center and seeds in the middle or seedless. You know, if you prefer the seedless, I'm not going <laughs> to judge. That's not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. I am who I am. I know who I am. I'm not confused. I used to be confused. Why was I confused? Because of social conditioning, lack of education. They're still teaching two sexes, two genders in school. And that's all there is to it. And like, let's, yeah. why don't we still teach about bloodlettings and that the world is flat and witches got to make sure there's aren't <laughs> witches out there because I don't know, there's weird things I can't explain must be the result of these witches. <laughs> and have you ever heard of trepanning? Mm -mm. It, it was a way that they used to deal with mental illness and other things. So what trepanning is, is they would uh, make an incision, uh, an X-like incision, kind of like in the temples, like right above where the eyes are, a little bit behind to the side. So they'd make an incision, they'd peel back the skin, then they'd drill a hole through your skull. The reason they did this is to let the bad spirits out of your skull because they figured out that's, that's what happens. That's why people are mentally ill. The spirits get in there and we got to let out the bad spirits and we know where to find them. They're in the head, of course. Duh, that's what our science of the day has told us. So we'll do a whole through your skull and then let the bad spirits out and hopefully that'll work. And if not, uh, sorry, too bad. I guess it was just meant for you to not survive. And the reason I'm bringing this up is that's a thing. Trepanning was in practice for tens of thousands of years. Well, I don't know, thousands, tens of thousands. I think the earliest tools and historical recording of trepanning, it's about maybe 5,000-ish years ago. So the point is, this has been in practice for a long time as quote-unquote science. Everyone uh, of the quote-unquote scientific mind of the time believed this is how it's done. 
Did it ever make it real? Did it ever make it effective? When you drill into someone's skull, you might change the personality by damaging their skull. Yeah. So it, it's also known as uh, a lobotomy, which lobotomy, we don't do yeah. anymore. Mm -hmm. That could, can make someone look more sedate and more calm, but what you've really done is destroyed a part of who they are. So my long-winded rant here is there have been things that humanity has collectively quote-unquote known and got it wrong. Why do people think, this is rhetorical, but I know I'm preaching to the choir here. <laughs> Why do people today still believe we got it all figured out? Yes, there's only boys and girls and that's all there is to it. That's it. Nothing more to see here. Move along. Why do people still believe that? Okay, why did the, the, the sun, people thought that the sun was revolving around the earth. Why do we not teach that the sun revolves around the earth in school? And I'm excluding flat earthers. I don't want to get into that argument. I know that they're out there and they exist. <laughs> My point being is we have all this scientific evidence, lots of evidence. The earth is going around the sun. They had that worked out long before we could ever blast off into outer space. There were mathematical ways that they figured out that the earth is revolving around the sun, not the other way around. Yes, it looks when you're on earth, it looks like the sun's going around the earth. Long-winded rant, way of saying, people got it wrong. Everyone got it wrong. Never made it a reality. And mm -hmm. why stop learning now? Why stop growing? Why stop evolving? That's how, you know, when I tell people, why are the dinosaurs extinct? It's because they failed to adapt to a changing world. And we still have dinosaurs out there today. Dinosaurs, people digging their heels in deep, doing everything they can possibly do to not let the world change because they fear the change. They don't understand the change. They don't want to understand the change. Changes, I should say. Some changes are, quote unquote, scarier than others or less acceptable than others, whatever they want to see it as. Um, and I call them dinosaurs because they will die out. Every new generation that's born is a little bit smarter than the previous. And yeah, those bigots and everything, they're going to try and make their kids into bigots yeah. and be successful yeah. sometimes. But every generation is less and less of it. In the 10 years since I started, took my first steps out in the public, in the last 10 years, I've seen so much change in the world just toward me and people like me. And I, I think we're going to keep doing that. It's another thing that I see and I'm really optimistic about. And, and I, I, I am eternally optimistic, no matter how dark and gloomy things get. And yeah, I get choked up and emotional. And I'm not saying that in an apologetic way. I, I know how I am. I, I got emotional talking with you. I get emotional when I'm, when I'm talking, when I'm speaking publicly. It's a thing that happens. Yeah, it just shows because that you care this much about all of it. Your passion to be a transgender woman, your passion of helping others, your passion to get the word out that there are other people out there who need help sort of thing. And you want to help them. So that's what I'm well, I want them to not wind up stuck in that onion, as I was calling it, right. peeling back all those layers. I'm peeling back the layers. Oh, it's a sexual fetish. Peel back another layer. No, surprise, you're a cross-dresser. Peel back another layer. Surprise, you're a transgender woman. And you don't know what's on that other layer to, layer to peel back one. And then you're looking at that. But anyways, to me, it's like people can argue against studies and facts. And they do. We've all heard people use things like, well, we have alternative facts or I just don't believe you or blah, blah, blah. Popular thing. You know, what about global warming? You want to get people arguing? Bring up global warming. You want to really get people going at each other? Bring up the whole abortion, pro-life, pro-choice thing, yeah. which I don't want to get into. <laughs> by, by the way, I'm pro doing the things that you feel are right for you in your life, period. Mm -hmm. But these things are controversial and people believe that their way is the right way, only way. And I was about to make a really good point, which I've now forgotten. Damn it. <laughs>
we'll get there. Oh, well, because people yeah. people think they know it all and and have all the answers and solutions, and it's like no, let's let's have the conversation. Let's not demonize people who think differently. You know, when I speaking publicly and someone challenges me, I'm grateful. Like when someone says something that challenges me, or or in their is is their way of saying, I don't see you as a transgender woman. I see you as a deeply troubled man. Okay, thank you. Why am I going to thank that person? Well, I don't say it like sarcastically or anything like that, but <laughs> because they had one, they had the courage to bring that up. And it's not always easy to bring up the quote unquote unpopular opinion. And I've had some people bring up some doozies. Let me tell you, I'll share some if you want, but yes, please. But, I love, I love this. Stuff. All right. Okay. So I was, uh, this is the thing that happened a couple of years ago. I was doing a uh, talk. It was a transgender awareness talk at a local business who needed to know how to like when because I guess a transgender woman lane to management feeling that she was violated because there was a transgender woman in her presence. And that was it. There was nothing else like in her mind, a man just used the ladies room and she felt that was wrong and needed fixing. So they needed to get educated on that. They reached out to the Odd Alliance. They sent me out there to, to do a transgender presentation awareness this was in New York. This was in New York. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, New York State is a big place. You have like New York City where anything goes. I'm about, I don't know, seven hours, eight hours maybe drive away from New York City. That's all the way, like I'm physically in New York State, like kind of under Lake Ontario, if you're familiar with Lake Ontario. Okay, um, okay you know where Toronto is? Maybe that's a bigger landmark. I'm kind of south of Toronto, but like oh. way south of Toronto. <laughs> okay, That's in the Canadian province, for those of you who don't know where Toronto is. Um, so yeah, New York State is very open-minded except for where it's not even in rochester it's a pretty open-minded town which is mostly pretty open-minded except for where it's not you know it's it's regional and you have like these little pockets sure. of more open-mindedness and less open-mindedness yeah yeah and i was i forgot where i was going again oh my god how many times am i going to get derailed here <laughs> so, uh, where, where i was building something about um squirrel oh yeah because i was doing yeah squirrel because I was doing a transgender talk and was going to explain, like, one of the questions I was asked, I, uh, I share my personal story and experiences, uh, explain the difference between uh, biological sex, gender identity, gender expression, sexual orientation, sexual behaviors, do all these things, show some videos. And then we open it up for questions. You ask me anything. And uh, one of the questions that I was asked was uh, by a gentleman who said, I want to know how come you transgender women don't just stick to your own clubs and bars? Like, why do you got to come to our clubs and bars and try and fool us men? Oh, so most people would think, Oh my God, what a, what a, what a terrible insult, right? I was genuinely delighted with the question because one, he had the courage. Now let's keep in mind, this was kind of a transphobic place, a little bit of a transphobic atmosphere there. Okay. So less, I'm saying that in the context of there was less potential for pushback in him saying something like that. Sure. But, but at the same time, that's valid. Why is that valid? You know, one, is he trying to be a jerk? No. Or, or, or does he have a lifetime of social conditioning saying, watch out when you're dating a woman to make sure it's really a woman? Because sometimes, you know, those gay men out there try and turn you gay by dressing up like a girl and fooling you. Because then if you make out with one of these quote unquote, gay men or whatever, perverted men, um, you know, they'll, they'll turn you gay. They'll try to turn you gay, you know, because it works like that. Sarcasm. <laughs> that's valid because that's a, a misconception that's unfortunately still pretty widespread, even, even in more open-minded areas. There's going to be at least pockets of that. And that opened the door for a discussion, a thoughtful discussion about, well, first misconception is we're not trying to fool anybody. 
Yes, everyone's heard the story or a story of a man getting intimate with a woman only to realize she's got a penis. Okay, we've all heard that story. Mm -hmm. I'm going to submit to you, meaning you listening to my voice right now, anyone listening to my voice right now, that is a thing that does happen and own anecdotal experience. Of all the trans women I know, and I know a lot, we, we find each other. Yeah. Most of the trans women I know, they're, they're, they pass. They're, they, look, they have passing privilege. They don't look trans. Nothing about them looks transgender. And so here's what I hear from all of them. All, it's always the same thing. For those with passing privilege, they will you know, date a man. And if the relationship seems like it might get physical, like if it seems like that's a possibility, they then make an assessment like, do I feel safe coming out to this man? Or is this something that might not go over well? Or am I going to put myself in danger? And what I'm getting at is they will responsibly disclose prior to that taking place so that nobody's surprised and, you know, panics and kills somebody that they know who it is they're getting into a relationship with. And they may be post-op, pre-op. It is my personal opinion. And I'm just going to make this me about me. My personal opinion, <laughs> it is responsible for a transgender person to divulge that they are transgender if a relationship is taking off. Right. And simply because that might that might be an issue with that person. And you don't know if, until you tell them and share them. And again, that's my personal opinion is that that is the responsible thing to do. And it's not me saying, well, if you think differently, then you're wrong. It's just me saying that is my opinion. And with the transgender woman I know, that is what has taken place. None of them that I know, I mean, that I know a lot, none of them have done the surprise it on them. And if they love me, they won't care. And, and aren't they a big, you know, jerky McJerk face if they make us think about it? No one I know personally has ever said that. Or, or sprung it, you know, no, no pun intended, <laughs> or just sprung it on, on anyone, so to speak. So there's the first misconception. The other misconception is what makes you think all trans women want a man? And that's why, guess what? I'm not looking for a man. I'm transgender lesbian. That's how it happens. If, if you're attracted to me, that's on you. I'm not doing anything to make you attracted to me. The other thing is, what if we did? Let's think of this fictitious example where, where people were segregated based on certain differences. Like what if, what if people were made to have their own clubs, have their own drinking fountains, you know, have certain restaurants that they're allowed to go to, but not other restaurants. Wait a minute. Wait, that sounds really familiar. Haven't we done that yet? <laughs> you know, yeah. drinking fountain segregation, uh, right. segregation. We did that. And how did that work out? You know, we're still paying for that stupid BS, right? We're still mm -hmm. paying for that. There right. is racial equality in law and on paper. And everybody knows there's no racial equality in reality because of that BS that went on for too many years. Mm -hmm. And so why, why would we try to, Yeah, yeah. And why would we then try to recreate this in a different form when we know it doesn't work and it only hurts communities. And by that, I mean a collection of people living localized in an area, because then there's differences that are feared. And then people are putting their time and their energy into othering the people that they perceive to be undesirable. And then there's resources wasted on the battle on keeping the others at bay and away from you and quote unquote, protecting yourself and your children from the others or whatever, quote unquote, protecting. Now you're investing all this time and energy into that, creating drama where there doesn't need to be any drama right. and creating hardship and inequalities and disparities where there doesn't need to be any. And that does not serve anybody in that community. 
because now you have higher anxiety, you know, for the ones who are privileged, the, the ones who are greater in numbers, you're going to be living with greater anxiety, more stress, you're spending time, energy, resources that you could have been investing into the community, and allow everybody else to invest their time, energy and resources into the community, rather than, you know, because then everyone benefits, all boats are lifted, okay, as opposed to like, investing their time and resources just into survival now, because you've You've made it difficult for them to, to be who they are and survive. And, you know, I'm getting sorry if I'm getting a little preachy here. No, please preach away, girl. <laughs> so I tried to, yeah, I tried to bring these things up. Didn't go over too well. You know, they, they kind of got what I was saying here at this, at this one place. Mm. Um, but it was a, the thing that I liked about it. It's a good, it's a, it's a, it's a relevant discussion. Why is it relevant? Because people think that that's why it's relevant. Yeah. If, yeah. if people think that we need to have that discussion. And that was it for this week's episode. Yes, Gabby was all over the place, and I tried my best to keep it back on topic, but this is her experience, and I want my guests to feel comfortable talking on the podcast. She laid it out all on the line here, and no bullshit, no nonsense. And I love it. She was gracious enough to be able to tell her story, so the least you can all do is listen. She talked about so much about the importance of passing and her interactions about being clocked like at a grocery store. And she even gets to talk about her first sexual experience with a woman and putting on a condom. She just has so much to say and she just wants to let it all out. Because that's what a vulnerable person does. When they open up and they trust you, they're willing to lay it all on the line. And she trusts me to tell her story accurately. Well, I thank you for listening and it's not even done. We have more coming on next week. But that's it for this week. Thankful again for all of you guys listening in. Hope that you guys have a great rest of the week. And remember, as always, keep it fresh, stay blessed, and remember... You're gorgeous. Again, guys, I am not here to diagnose or treat anything, but I'm here to offer my story. I hope that in turn you learn more about me, learn more about yourself, and about the world of cross-dressing.